Hey, this is Alex Terranova, and this is the Dream Mason Podcast. We've been taught to behave, to fit in, to follow the rules, but Dream Masons reject conventional thought. Dream Masons are rebels. They take a chisel to the marble that is typical traditional life. They carve out brilliance and broadcast it to the world. Join me for another chapter as we unmask convention, embrace the rebels within us, and more deeply come to explore the complex and agitated edges of our existence. Now, before we get started, please don't be a rebel yet and grab your phone and hit that little button that says subscribe. Thank you. Because your dreams don't build themselves. What's up? And welcome back to the Dream Mason podcast. I am your host, Alex Terranova. It is Wednesday, October 21st, 2020. The year that seems to fly by and be filled with excitement and drama and never ending surprises. So, what do I want to, what do I really want to give? You know what I want to share today to get us started? Because I think it actually is relevant to our guest who you're going to meet in a second. Um, is one of the biggest things I've noticed in the working on yourself, improving yourself, uh, getting aware of your automatic behaviors, a lot of things we talk about on this podcast. Uh, in the last two nights, I think I've slept like a couple hours, and it's not really by choice, but because my nine-month-old puppy can't stop uh, having things come out of both ends of her. <laughs> and um, Luckily, the part I'm grateful about is she actually wakes me up, basically tells me that something's wrong, and she doesn't do any of that in the bed, which is the blessing because that would be a nightmare at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. because she's been having this issue all night long. And one of the things that I've gotten really present to is six years ago, if this was my dog, if this was my person, I would have been pissed off. I would have been like, man, you're ruining my sleep. This is messed up. And now, I'm like, it's just, a, it's just a circumstance. It's just a thing that happens. And getting mad, getting upset, being pissed off, being annoyed doesn't change what's actually happening. It doesn't make it better. It doesn't make me feel better. It actually makes me feel worse. And it also makes me recognize like how important sleep is. It makes me appreciate my parents. I called my parents today and I was like, how the hell did you guys raise two children and not sleep in the beginning of our lives? I've gone two nights and I'm pissed off and annoyed. And it just got me present to, to the, how we're not always grateful for the great sleep we get. And we should be because as soon as that's gone, life is a lot harder. Our, our guest today is somebody that, um, one of his areas of expertise is he helps people with their sleep. Um, and to think about like, hey, you know, I have this dog. I love this dog. I got this dog for a reason. And the things that happen are just part of the journey onto, uh, that I'm going to have with this dog. And so there's no point being upset. It's like, all right, get up. Take the dog outside. Go to sleep in your clothes because you got to get up quick to take it out. Clean up the mess that's on the floor. And the faster you just kind of take the action and do it, the quicker you get to go back to the things that you want to do and have the relationships you want to have. It also makes me appreciate how lucky we are that we can actually change the things in our lives. You know, a dog, a baby, somebody who's handicapped or disempowered or disenfranchised 
might not be able to make the changes. Like this dog doesn't know what it's doing. It can't go do anything about the problem. It just has this problem. Whereas we have things like this and we can do something about it. Let's get to our guest. So that's what this is really about. That's what you're here for. That's what you want to, that's who you want to hear from. Um, my guest today, this was a, a surprise. Um, he's the first guest I've ever had that's been an anchor on ESPN, which is pretty cool. I grew up watching ESPN like a little, you know, pretty addicted to it, I would say. Um, he is, so he's a former sports center anchor on ESPN. He's been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur Magazine. He's appeared in dozens of TV shows, including The Doctors on CBS. He's also, he's an Australian-American investor. He's actually coming to us from Australia right now. He's a speaker. He hosts The James Swanick Show. It's a podcast. He's the author of the 30-Day No Alcohol Challenge. And Forbes listed James as one of the top 25 professional networking experts to watch. If you go to his Instagram, which is... Uh, really cool because he shows all these people that we all know and love and are familiar with, very successful people that don't drink, which kind of blew my mind that all these people are, are like, they don't drink and, and it contributes to their success. And I'm actually really interested to, to check that out. And his Instagram, if you want to find it, is James, and then you spell his last name, S-W-A-N-W-I-C-K. James, thanks for being here all the way from Australia. Welcome to the Dream Mason Podcast. Alex, thank you so much for having me. Great to be here. So first, I got, I got to, uh, I always ask people like, you know, what this, this year has been wild, right? And it's not just for Americans or, or men or people in Los Angeles or anywhere. It's, it's everywhere. What, what is 2020? What's been the like, biggest challenge for you this year? Well, the biggest challenge and the biggest blessing has been uh, moving back to my native country of Australia. I've been living in the US since 2002. I'm a US Australian dual citizen and I very much rejected my native country for about 20 years where I was like, ah, Australia is just a small, nice, cute little backwater. But I'm, I live in an America where there's opportunity and there's all these amazing things happening. And then I came back here at the beginning of the year just for a little holiday. This is before COVID hit. And I had a, my annual event in Venice Beach coming up in March and then COVID hit and I, I, I shut my event down in Venice because people were pulling out left, right and center. And I've just pretty much, I mean, I have been in Australia ever since. So this is the longest I've been in my native country for, for 20 years. And at the time, it was a bit of a curse because, you know, I had a, an annual 200-person event all ready to go at the Hotel Irwin in, in Venice Beach. I had to cancel the event, had to, you know, um, refund people's tickets, all that kind of stuff. You, you, you can understand there's like, there's a whole lot of things that go on from canceling an event of that size. And then figure out what to do here in Australia. But since then, I've found myself in a beautiful romantic relationship um, with, with someone. And uh, we're looking at starting a family together. And I've been living with her and her, her uh, seven-year-old son pretty much all of this year. And for the most part, I've pretty much moved back to Australia. So you, that's an example of where, you know, what, what could seemingly have been a curse has turned into a pretty pretty fine blessing that's so cool to think like it had it not gone this way you would have never gone back to australia or maybe at some point but and you might have never met this person and everything would be different 
Yeah, it's crazy. It's like that movie <laughs> uh, with Gwyneth Paltrow from the late 90s called Sliding Doors. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen yeah. it, but yeah. it's like, how is your life different from just one little thing? Like you're five minutes too early or you're five minutes late. Someone walks in the door that you wouldn't have met. You know, someone doesn't walk through the door that you would have met. Like there's all these little tiny things that seem tiny in the moment, but they turn out to be these, you know, monumental things in the broad um, spectrum of your life. Yeah. I, I love I, I love that that you not only that you can see it but that it's so obvious and now you get to your your platform you get to share that with people right so many people right now are only like looking at all the things that have gone wrong and there's plenty and there's some a lot of people have a lot of really intense mm. hardships and there's some like I like to think like there's some gold everywhere you got to be willing to look for it you got to be have the mindset to get out of your own way and not just focus on everything that's wrong and all the ways that you could be suffering. So, yeah, there's, I look at it this way. There's no right way and there's no wrong way. There's just a way. Mm -hmm. uh, another way of looking at it is um, there's nothing ever good or nothing ever bad happening. It's just a bunch of stuff happening. So the, the only thing that's happening right now is that we're having a conversation. There's just stuff happening. Yeah. But it's all about the story in our head and our perception of what defines whether it's good or whether it's bad or whether it's useful or whether it's useless. It's all just our perception. But when, when we think about it that way, you start from a, from, a, from a standing position of like, the only thing that's happening is there's a bunch of stuff happening. And so you can look at it like, oh my God, COVID-19, it's so awful. Or you can go, oh yeah, COVID-19, that's what's happening. Where did this... Like that mindset, I, I always have this, my mom will always get in the conversation with me about like, what do you mean there's no good and bad? And we'll have, we'll go into that. Where did you kind of develop that mentality? Where did you learn that way of thinking that, hey, there's just things that happen and then there's all the meaning that we create around it and give it? Well, I think I've been trying to learn it for many years from reading a number of books like The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle and uh, The Untethered Soul by um, Martin Singer, I think it is. Michael, uh, or, Michael Singer, yeah. Yeah, Martin Singer, Mark Singer, yeah. And I never really quite got it. And then I did a, a landmark forum self-development program, which, um, and that's where I kind of finally got it. And I realized that it, what landmark was teaching me wasn't anything unique. It was just the way that they had described it finally got through to me. So, uh, I don't think it's like some big hidden secret that you got to find or that it's, it, it, you know, it's attributed to one thing or one program or one belief system. I think everybody who, who's into self-development or who's, who lives a mindful life or is conscious kind of knows this, or if they don't know it, they, they, they come to learn it. You could learn it from Tony Robbins, for example. You know, you could learn it from having a conversation with a friend um, over dinner. You could learn it from, from anyone, like from watching an Oprah Winfrey interview with someone. The, where I finally got it was in a landmark forum self-development program. But now I see it all over the place in people's coaching and, and, um, and teachings, in books and in podcasts and, and the like. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I've done the Landmark Forum also. I think the Landmark Forum is the cheapest, aside from a book, but the cheapest and fastest way. Like over a weekend, you can have your eyes open to some, some crazy stuff that you've never even, like a new way of seeing the world over a weekend for a couple hundred bucks. Um, and yeah, I love that. It does. It takes everybody. I love that message too about, it's like we're all on our own. We all are doing everything on our own pace and at our own, like our own journey. 
And you might read a book and walk away with some big takeaway. And I might read the same book and not see that thing at all. And if, but if I stop, I might never get that thing. Like you read the next book, you go to the next seminar, you, you keep trying to, to, you know, shift or change or improve yourself. Um, what, like you went from, I want to just touch on, cause you started or you, you spent a good chunk of your life on sports center right? Doing something that is, was probably a lot of fun. I mean, I'd love to hear like, and now you're helping people stop drinking. You're helping people sleep better. It's not, again, I love that. It's not better or worse than the sports center. It's, it's just a different thing, but we're, tell me for a minute how you got into success. I got created a successful career with sports center, but then how you made this transition to this completely different space. Yeah, well, I was a societally acceptable drinker when I grew up in Australia. Uh, and then when I moved to the UK and then later on to the US. And by societally acceptable, what I mean was I'd have a couple drinks maybe at the end of a day. Uh, on weekends, I might drink some more if I was watching a football game or going to a party or something. I very rarely got drunk. Uh, I was just, you know, I was a consistent drinker. I wasn't an alcoholic. I wasn't waking up in a ditch. I didn't get a DUI. I didn't get arrested. None of that kind of stuff. I was just how society would deem, you know what? That's fine. You're just having a couple of drinks here and there. But what I realized, I got to my mid thirties. I was in Austin, Texas in 2010. I was at the South by Southwest festival. I was staying in a hotel 20 minutes North of Austin. And I woke up the next morning after an industry party the night before where I'd had two drinks. I'd had two Bombay Sapphire gin and tonics. And I woke up the next morning in, this, um, in the hotel I was staying in and I looked in the mirror and I just felt average. Like my, my mouth was dry. I'd put on, I realized I'd put on about 20 pounds over the course of a year. My sleep wasn't great. My focus was scattered. My skin looked a bit weathered. I had a bit of a beard, like a little bit of a belly was forming. I kind of just like let things get away a little bit. Again, not rock bottom, but just just blah. Like I would describe myself as being like a six out of 10 in most areas of my life. Okay. And I went to an IHOP uh, next door to the, um, to the hotel, International House of Pancakes. And I was sitting in this IHOP and I looked out the window and I was like, what am I doing in an IHOP? And what am I doing feeling just like blah? And I looked out the window and I said, you know what? I'm just going to commit to quitting alcohol for 30 days and see what happens. And so I did. I quit for 30 days. I lost 13 pounds in 30 days. Just fell off me. I slept seven, almost eight hours, almost flawless sleep. My productivity increased. During those 30 days, um, a friend of mine uh, who I had helped said, uh, ESPN is looking for a, a, an international sports center anchor. And I thought you'd be good for that. And I had zero TV experience, zero. And uh, I said, I said, introduce me, introduce me to the, to the producer. So he introduced me to this ESPN producer. And then six weeks later, I was literally on TV as a sports center anchor on ESPN. And I credit that to getting that job to the clarity and the focus and the productivity and the drive and the strategy that I had because I was clear from being alcohol free. I'm confident that if I had still been drinking during that process, I either wouldn't have gone for the job or, or I would have, you know, done a six out of 10 job or I would have messed up the audition or I wouldn't have even gone for the audition. So, you know, choosing to be alcohol free in a very, very short span of time, 
I lost weight. I attracted a higher caliber person into my life. I got my dream job hosting a TV show in America of all places. And as an Australian living in America, it was like, wow, this is incredible. This iconic television show, Sports Center. And, uh, you know, I slept better, felt better. And from there, it's just been a decade and more of just fantastic living. <laughs> that story almost sounds fake. Like it's, right, that is a, I, was, I mean, the note I wrote down is like, literally your dreams came true out of a 30-day commitment. Now, it's not just that, like that was part of it, but um, it's such a cool story. And, and of course you were at an IHOP because that's where sixes eat at IHOPs. Um, <laughs> um, so, okay, so you, you have this breakthrough moment where you say 30 days. I've done 30 days of no alcohol before. I did not have the, the, the changes that you have, but I do notice a lot of differences. I actually, this year, I'm vegan for the entire year. So I've been, I've been vegan now for almost a full 10 months and two more months to go and I'll probably eat some eggs. Um, but yeah, it's same. I had like all sorts of changes from that, but I've, I've done alcohol, no alcohol a couple times for 30 days or no 30 days. And I've, and I've noticed things not as dramatic as yours. What's the, why do you think like, why is alcohol just like, why is it so impactful? What is it about alcohol? That's like in just 30 days, like you weren't addicted to heroin, right? Like wasn't meth, but in 30 days, all these changes happen. Well, we have to start off with understanding that all alcohol is, is attractively packaged poison. It's filled with toxins. It's ethanol, essentially. But the reason why you and me and everyone thinks that it's normal is because society has normalized it. The, 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 the word alcohol actually comes from an Arabic term, alcohol which actually means body eating spirit. And when you think of it that way and you understand that, you start to go, oh, what is this thing that we're putting down our throats each day and each night and, and, and normalizing it? So beer and red wine have the most toxins of any alcohol, which might be surprising for many to, to, to think because some people think, oh, it's the hard liquors for sure, like your vodka or tequila, like they're super strong, they'd be the worst for you. They're actually the cleanest for you have very high alcohol content, more so than a beer or a glass of red wine. But in terms of the toxins, it's actually quite clear compared to a beer or a glass of red wine. And so every time you pour down a glass of red wine or beer or whatever alcoholic drink, what you're doing is you're pouring toxins into your body. Your liver and your body is now working hard to try and get those toxins out of the body. Uh, most of us are drinking in the last three hours before we go to sleep at night. Um, studies have repeatedly shown that drinking alcohol, while it may indeed make you uh, sleepy and help you to fall asleep, uh, it absolutely compromises the quality of your sleep. So you will wake up in the morning and you will feel tired and you will feel foggy and distracted and just a little bit irritable, even if you just had a seemingly innocent glass of wine the night before. Oh, I'm just having just having a glass of wine, just one beer at the end of the day, just to relax, no big deal. Well, you think it's no big deal, but I'd like to challenge that notion because you don't spend as long in that deep REM restorative phase of sleep. You wake up just a little bit irritable because you're a little bit irritable. You're more likely to snap at your husband or wife or girlfriend or boyfriend or your kids. You're just a little bit late for work. You're a seven out of 10 in your job performance instead of a nine out of 10. Now you missed out. 
miss out on a promotion. The promotion could have made you an extra 20 grand a year. Guess what? Your drinking habits just cost you 20 grand a year because you're operating at a seven out of 10 instead of a nine out of 10. If you're an entrepreneur and you're in sales, let's just say you have a million dollar business, you're making a hundred grand a month in revenue and you're drinking and you know that you're operating at say, let's call it a seven out of 10. Not bad. Sounds pretty good. Million dollar business by all accounts. That's all right. But let's just say you don't have the alcohol. You have a great night's sleep. You wake up with clarity and focus and energy and productivity. And you make one additional call per day to a prospect. And of those, those one additional calls that you make per day, let's say four of them turn into clients. And let's say each client's worth 15 grand to you. Well, guess what? Your drinking habit's been costing you 60 grand a year. You've just made another 60 grand. Maybe it's one deal that's worth $100,000, $200,000. Your drinking habit was costing you $200,000. That's the difference between operating at a six or a seven out of 10 and a nine out of 10. I'm not sure what your original question was. I've forgotten, but I think, but I think. It doesn't matter. That was an awesome answer. Whatever that, whatever I asked you, I loved your answer. Because <laughs> um, I think it actually speaks to, first, first of all, you explained why alcohol is harmful, like the toxin thing. I've actually read articles about the, and, and I feel like you probably know more, the, um, where the name originated from and how they, I've read an article about how they talk about like, almost like your, your sense of your soul or your being like can't even be in your body. And when people say things like, oh, I wasn't even acting like myself. I don't even know who I was. It was like, yeah, there's a part of you that like wasn't even there. It's actually like, you know, this is a very spiritual kind of thing, but like there's a lot of very spiritual people believe that like your soul kind of like steps away when you pour alcohol in your body. I don't know if you've ever read anything about that or, or heard anything. I just think it's very interesting to me. Well, I used to use alcohol at, at, at the same way that we use it now as a numbing agent, like, and, and all of these alchemists and witches mm-hmm. back in the day used to use alcohol to completely like kill your soul, to, sap, to, to just completely destroy your soul. So, you know, I mean, it, fast forward to 2020. Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing I, I want to I stress here because like I, I have a program, right? I help the high achievers, six-figure earners, professionals, entrepreneurs, to quit alcohol, at the very least, get, get complete power over alcohol. I'm not really helping someone who might deem themselves to be an alcoholic, okay? That's not my, that's not my game, right? Um, I'm helping more people who have this, this two or three drink a night habit each night of the week or four or five nights of the week. Anyone here who knows deep down that their drinking is compromising some area or areas of their life. It's not that you have a chemical dependency on alcohol. It's that you have a mental, um, a mental um, habit, you know, where you're addicted to alcohol as a habit. It's an, and it's embedded. And I realize how challenging and hard it is to break the habit because there are all these smiling assassins all over the world who are smiling at you as they offer you their, their drink. They're like, it's the waiter or the waitress says, can I get you started with some drinks, sir? Big smile on their face. They may as well be saying, can I get you started with a terrible night's sleep and a feeling of mediocrity and regret in the morning, sir. <laughs> it's your friends. You go over to dinner parties and they want to be the great host, right? They're very nice of being hospitable and like, Hey, Alex, can I get you started with a drink, mate? What do you want? You want a beer? You want wine? And then if you say, Oh no, I have soda. They're like, what? What do you mean? And they start to challenge you on this, right? So all around you, 
these smiling assassins are coming at you like zombies in an apocalypse movie. And they're like, hey, can you want a drink? Hey, let's catch up to some drinks. Hey, uh, what can I get you? Wine, beer? And they're smiling at you the whole time. So I get it. It's challenging. But what I really want to stress here is that just like all of the members of my, my Project 90 program who come to me and they're like, oh, man, I just, you know, it's slowing me down. I, I want you to understand that all it takes is for one or two seemingly innocent drinks per night in order for you to be leaving hundreds of thousands of dollars on the table, for you to be not attracting your dream romantic partner, for you not to be as present with your current partner, to be not present with your kids, to be phoning in your work, to be just compromising all areas of your life. All it takes is one or two little seemingly innocent drinks. So I just invite you to just ask yourself that question. Is this drink really that innocent after all? No, let's take it back like one notch. Cause I like when you talk about like, Hey, one or two seemingly drinks, seemingly innocent drinks a night. There's a lot of people that do that, right? One or two drinks a night that like they're sitting on the couch, they're reading a book, whatever it is. What about the person who has two drinks a week? You know, on Friday night, they go out to dinner, they have two drinks, they don't drink the rest of the week. Like, do you think that that has the same, like uh, it doesn't have the same, it's two drinks versus let's say 14, but do you think that it has that same level of impact? I don't think so, no. I think if you're having a drink or two on occasion, long-term, no issues. Sure. My question would be, why are you even choosing to have those one or two drinks anyway? Now, yeah. if you genuinely like the taste of it and you like the, the ritual of it and it's only one or two drinks, sure. If it's not compromising your life, go right ahead. It's yeah. like saying like, you know, is a slice of pizza every week going to kill you? No. Is eating a pack of Doritos like once every couple of weeks going to kill you? No. But, you know, if you're consistently having a pizza each night, you're consistently having yeah. Doritos each night, then yeah, that's going to that's gonna add up. I, I guess where people like to, to say, oh, it's okay, it's just one drink a night. Let me tell you something. One drink a night is compromising your sleep and is compromising your clarity and your focus and your presence and your health. And all of that has a spin-off effect. So I'd hate for people to go, oh, it's okay. I'm just having, I only have a drink a night. Come on, it's one drink. Well, just look at it. One drink per night. Over time, it's like death by a thousand cuts. So to answer your question, I, I, on the surface, it doesn't seem like there's any real issues with someone having a drink or two per week. Yeah. But again, that's just a, a question for them to ask themselves. How does it compromise your life, if at all? Well, I love, and I love the follow-up question because you're like, it's, we could say the same thing about pizza or ice cream. Like, what, is it, what does it give you? What are you choosing to do it for? I like, like that question of, it's, yeah, it's probably not going to make an impact in your life if on Friday night, once a week, you have some pizza. But like, what are you getting out of that pizza? And is it even worth it? Like, do you need it? Or is it just like, because you just do it because it's Friday? Like, are you even choosing it? Or is it automatic? I want to I wanna roll this right in because you, you really stress sleep. And as I shared with you before we hit record, I think almost every person I work with in my practice 
brings up sleep at some point. They're tired. They're not getting good sleep. They're, they don't feel rested. I shared to start this the last two nights. I basically haven't slept for two nights in a row. And I, and, and that's not even, wasn't even a choice, right? I mean, a puppy's a choice. I got to take care of it. And I know the last, this today and yesterday was a battle for me to perform and be at a high level from just two days of, of lacking sleep. What, um, what do people not know about sleep that they need to know? Yeah, so uh, I can give you the gold standard of how you can give yourself the best chance to have the best night's sleep, if you like, from what to do first thing in the morning. Because people would be surprised to learn that what you do in the first five or 10 minutes of your day can have a dramatic impact on your sleep um, later on in the evening. And also what you should do like during the day and at night to ensure a great night's sleep. So um, I think just to answer your question, just before I go into that, what people don't know is that light, natural sunlight and then artificial light has a huge impact on your on your ability to sleep well. Um, but let me just go through this gold standard if you, if you like. Um, Please. You wake, first thing in the morning when you wake up, you want to expose your skin to as much natural sunlight as possible. Our skin has receptors in it, and when the sunlight hits our skin, it tells our circadian rhythm, which is our internal body clock, it's daytime. And so now our body starts to flood with daytime hormones. Your body is then be knowing what time wake up time is 12 to 16 hours later, your body is going to naturally start to turn on the nighttime hormones. For example, melatonin. What most people do is they wake up in the morning and they stay indoors for an hour or two. And while they're awake and they're moving around and they're drinking a cup of coffee and they've got, you know, the bathroom light or the kitchen light or whatever, it's not natural sunlight, which is not stimulating your, your body's circadian rhythm, which means your body and your brain is still a little bit confused. Is it daytime? Is it still nighttime? It's not really in that wake up uh, daytime mode yet. So first thing in, in the morning, even before you use the bathroom or just after, just go and stand by the window, let the sunlight come up, come in and hit your face, go outside, let the sunlight hit your body. You only have to do it for like two or three minutes. Take your coffee or if you're drinking coffee or tea outside and, and drink it in the tea, drink it outside because that will help you sleep later on at night. Studies have shown that morning exercise is better for uh, a good night's sleep than evening exercise. They think it's because of two things. One, people who exercise in the morning tend to do it more as a consistent habit. Uh, anyway, and people who exercise more tend to be healthier in general and therefore sleep better. And the second reason they think is because um, you want a very cool body temperature when you when you sleep, and the closer to bedtime that you're exercising, the higher your body temperature, which is not conducive to a good night's sleep. Uh, no caffeine after 2 p.m. if you're going to sleep at 10 p.m. So what that means is no caffeine within eight hours of you wanting to sleep. There'll be so many people listening to this and go, well, hang on, I have coffee with my after dinner and as you know, it helps put me to sleep. I sleep just fine. Well, here's the thing. You may fall asleep just fine and you may think you sleep just fine, but it is a physical impossibility that your sleep won't be um, compromised as a result of having a stimulant in your body. 
Caffeine is a stimulant, plain and simple. It takes eight hours for the stimulant to uh, stimulant effects to wear off. So even if you fall asleep and think you're sleeping just fine, you still will not spend as long in that deep REM restorative phase of sleep because of the caffeine. So if you t intend to sleep, go to sleep at 8 p.m., your last coffee should be at noon. If you go to sleep at midnight, your last coffee should be at four, just eight hours. Um, alcohol. Um, studies have shown that um, if you drink alcohol within the last three hours before you go to sleep, that's going to compromise your sleep quality because your liver is now working to try and break it down. Your body's basically not going into a restorative phase. It's, it's in a work phase. You've just put toxins down inside of your body. The body's now got to go to work. So the body's working to break down the toxins and get it out. You don't want it to work. You want it to like shut down and repair. Same with food. You want to avoid uh, eating food within three hours of going to sleep. The studies show that if you eat uh, inside of that three-hour block before bedtime, same thing. Your body's going to work. Your, your core body temperature is rising. Your body's working to digest the food. You're not going to that deep REM restorative phase of sleep. Um, there's more, but that that's kind of like um, the, the wait. The, I, don't, I want you to give me. I want you to give me more. This is like. I think this okay. is really. I think this is really valuable. Everything you've said, I can apply to my life. Doesn't mean I do these all the day, but I know there's. Right, I eat too late sometimes. I have coffee in the afternoon because I enjoy. Like I just like it. You know, I um, I some I I like to exercise in the morning, but sometimes I don't. So then I exercise in the afternoon, and I the body temperature thing. I can't sleep when I'm hot. Like it makes sense to me. Um, so everything you're saying, I know for me, and I know that other people are going to connect this. So please, like you're the first person that's ever come on this show of. We're, you know, we're 160 episodes or so in. I've never talked about sleep. So I want, I want the gold. Yeah. So two more things. Um, uh, well, actually three more things. Uh, and I'll finish with the big daddy, if you like, the, the, the big one. So the first one is um, a cool environment. So uh, 65 to 69 degrees Fahrenheit uh, is the optimal uh, temperature that you you want to uh, have your your sleeping environment be. Um, so, Wait, we, so we want we want to every, be cool. I gotta ask you this: every woman I know is like it's freezing. You can't sleep in. I've I don't think I've ever been in bed with a woman that was okay if the room was in the sixties. <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing: it's okay to snuggle up and put like a big duvet or doona or blanket or whatever over yeah. you, as long as the core environment is cool. And they think there's a couple of reasons why they think um, people sleep well when they've got like a big heavy thing on it. Um, for example, there's a product called the um, I've forgotten what it's called. It's a but it's it's a weighted blanket essentially. It's very very heavy. Anyway, the, the, the reason why they think human beings enjoy being covered up with lots of blankets and duvets and dunas is because on a very subconscious reptilian brain level, it reminds us of being in our mother's womb when we were um, before birth. So that feeling of being inside and being kept warm and being nurtured, they think that subconsciously it's taking us back to that moment when we're, when we're, we're rubbed up. So yes, I get it. Like women in particular feel the cold more than men do. Uh, any man here who's got a, a girlfriend or wife, you take them to a movie theater in the middle of summer, will probably know that their girlfriend still complains that, that it's, oh, it's freezing, even though it's like 100 degrees outside and we're, you know, we're in, a, we're in a, uh, a movie theater, they still think it's freezing. So um, 
nevertheless, I didn't make the rules. Whoever you believe, whether it's God or the Spirit or whatever, like I, I, I just, I'm just the messenger. So yeah, no, I, I say that because I, I, I can't say how many times I've had you know a girlfriend and I'm like in a hotel room where I want to pump up the AC or it's like I want to have the window open you know, and it's cold outside and they're like, it's freezing. I'm like, this is better for us. We actually, and, and it's a, it's a whole, it's a thing. It's always a, a thing, but thanks for explaining it. So it's like 65 to 69 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. That's the optimal temperature. We want to be in a cool sleeping environment. Okay. Um, uh, obviously now th- these next two are, are super important. Um, and that's light. Now, um, first thing is, is, is pretty obvious, I think, which is you want to have dark blackout curtains. Um, so, you know, have you ever, have you ever been to like a five-star hotel and, and, the, and the, the curtains in the, in the big hotel rooms are so big, thick and heavy? Like in, if you've ever been to Las Vegas, right? There's so much yeah. light in Las Vegas, but the hotel rooms, it's like pitch black. When you close those curtains and you wake up in the morning, you don't know whether it's like five in the morning or 10 in the morning because there's no light gets through because those curtains are just really, really thick and heavy. Those curtains are perfect um, or anything that blocks out the light because any light that comes in is going to, like I said, trigger your, your circadian rhythm. It's going to convince your body that it's daytime, which of course it is. And it'll get you starting starting to wake up. So before you go to sleep at night, you want to block as much of that light as possible, so you're not kind of waking up. Um, so it's not uh, you know forcing you to wake up before your body wants you to wake up, essentially. Um, and then the final thing is on light is you must block as much artificial light as possible at nighttime. Now, what that means is wear a pair of blue light blocking glasses with an orange lens uh, in the last hour before you go to sleep at night. So when you're looking at your screens, like your cell phone or your TV screen or your laptop or whatever, you can block that artificial blue light. So just to explain this for the uninitiated, um, all of these electronic screens and most of our light bulbs in our homes and the light bulb in our refrigerator and microwave, our speedometer in our car, the McDonald's golden arches as you're driving along the freeway, all of those have got artificial light in it, which when we look into it, triggers our pituitary and pineal glands, which suppresses our body's ability to create melatonin. So every time you're staring into a screen like this at nighttime, you're essentially turning off the melatonin faucet. However, if you wear a pair of blue light blocking glasses, I'm wearing a pair of the daytime blue light blocking glasses at the moment from my company, Swanick. I have a sleep company called Swanick Sleep and we produce these blue light blocking glasses that are named Swannies. Um, I'm wearing a day pair at the moment for computer use, but um, I'll just grab my nighttime ones. Um, at nighttime, you want to wear an orange lens pair of blue light blocking glasses the orange lens prevents the blue light from penetrating the lens. Therefore, your body can naturally produce melatonin the way that nature intended you to produce melatonin. And then in the last, um, just before you roll over and go to sleep, you remove the glasses um, and uh, hopefully fall asleep quicker and sleep uh, uh, more deeply. So, so in my opinion, um, two of the biggest leverages you have is exposing yourself to as much natural sunlight first thing in the morning and blocking as much artificial light at nighttime. And that will help you sleep um, better noticeably. Uh, question for you. So 
when you just like in for you, even if you're not on your screens, no TV, no phone, let's say, let's say I go to bed at 10 and I put all that away at eight. So the last two hours, all I have on is like some random lights in my house, right? So I'm not bumping into things or maybe even can't, I don't know if candles have the same impact. I don't know the light from a candle. You, would you still be wearing your, your nighttime glasses? So the answer is yes, for sure, because the light bulbs in your home, whether it be a reading lamp or the microwave lights or the bedside table lamp, all of that is still artificial light, which is stimulating yeah. your pituitary and pineal glands. Okay. People think, oh, you know, people mistakenly think, well, actually, let me, let me backtrack. Let me ask you a question, Alex. Do you brush your teeth before you go to sleep at night? Yeah, of course. Okay, where do you do that? I mean, of course I do it in the backyard, but like, I mean, you know, <laughs> of course I do it in the bathroom. Yeah. You do it in the bathroom. You got a bathroom light on? Of course. Yep. Okay. Yep. So as you brush your teeth at night, you are subjecting yourself to a poor night's sleep. The way you brush your teeth is compromising your sleep because you're brushing your teeth inside of a light that's stimulating your pituitary gland, which is suppressing your melatonin production. So the way around that, there's a couple ways around that. And actually, just before I get to that point, you brought up a great point about candlelight. Um, the, the best way actually to sleep well at night is to live your life by candlelight because natural flame and fire and, and, and you know, yeah, flame does not <clears throat> create melatonin suppression. It does not stimulate your pituitary and pineal glands. So you can look into a fire like just like when you go camping and you're sitting around the fire and you always sleep great at night, the fire, the flame, natural flame does not mess with your sleep quality. So, um, but here's the thing. No one, it's 2020, we're going into 2021. No one's going to like just throw away all of their electronic devices and start living their life by candlelight. You can and you'll sleep great, but probably people aren't going to do it. Um, my company, Swanick, and again, I don't, I don't want this to be like a heavy promotion for, for my business, but just to tell you, like, you can get these um, better night light bulbs from our company, Swanick Sleep, and uh, I'll show you what it looks like. It's taken away all of the, of the 99% of the, the blue light that messes with your sleep. You can see it's like it can be uh, yellow or pink in nature, mm. and it gives this very warm, comforting kind of um, light with, with um, zero blue light. So you can then, you know, live your life by, by using these light bulbs and just be confident that you're not suppressing your melatonin production and therefore um, compromising your sleep. Um, there's another company as well, just so you don't think this is just a, a swanic sleep. No, um, don't even tell the other company. This is your time. We don't need to talk about them. Well, like, you know, we okay. don't. <laughs> what, what I'll say is this, there are other blue light blocking classes companies on the market I'm happy if you just, you know, if you use, you use any of them. Ours are definitely the best. They're used by the NFL and Major League Baseball teams, the Boston Red Sox, um, some Premier League football teams. Uh, Harvard Business Review just wrote an article about our glasses and um, how they did a, a case study with, uh, with people in a call center and they tracked their performance at work um, from using the glasses and their performance increased exponentially. So... Um, I'll, I will say that ours are definitely, in my opinion, the best. I should, I should say, in my opinion, the best. But even if you don't subscribe to that, just get a pair anyway and do your own research and get a, a, get a light bulb that doesn't um, have that blue light in it because it's going to really help you sleep better and ultimately perform better. I love this. I, I just, I mean, I feel like 
what is really nice is, I mean, you gave like 10 steps. It's like 10 steps to better sleep from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed. And the, all the questions I actually wrote down as you were talking, you answered them. I was like, wait, how long do I need to be in the sun in the morning? But what you showed is like, hey, when my dog's out going to the bathroom in the morning, I just have to stand out in the sun, you know, for those couple minutes, whatever it is. And I get that. And to your point, if you don't have that yard, it's like stand in front of the window. I love the idea of like replacing, you know, your, you could replace your light bulbs. You could also, right? I don't need to brush my teeth to light. I could brush my teeth to candlelight. I mean, it's probably more soothing also. Um, uh, I'm curious, the, the last question about this specific thing is, you know how all the electronics now have the feature where you can take the blue light out, like your iPhone has it, your iPad, all my computers like seem like all of a sudden the light changes at, at 6 p.m. or something. Um, do those work effectively? Yeah, they would, they would give you probably about a three or a four out of 10 protection is what yeah. I would offer. So they're good, yeah. use them, I use them but they're not going to give you as much protection as you probably need to see noticeable difference and the noticeable improvement. Okay. So they they have the right intention yeah. for sure. But here's the thing. Let's just say that the blue light blocking features on your screens that automatically kick in when the sun goes down, let's just say that they were flawless and perfect and they worked an absolute dream. Well, you still got the microwave light. You still got the refrigerator light. You still got the alarm clock light. You still got the bathroom light. You still got the, like I said, the speedometer in your car light. There's all this light. It's all over the place that doesn't have those those built-in protections. So I, I would I would say yeah, use them. There's another piece of software you can download on your computer called Flux F period L U X that will strip away a lot of the blue light exposure at nighttime as the sun goes down. If you have an iPhone, turn on your night shift setting. The setting's called night shift. You have an Android phone, it's called twilight. So just go into the settings and activate it. And, and at nighttime, your screen will start to go more of a yellow color than ultimately an orange color. Yep. They, they're good. They're doing, it's good. But okay. like I said, it's only like probably a three or four protection. The best thing you can do is live your life by candlelight and never expose yourself <laughs> to artificial light again. The next best thing, in my opinion, is everything that I just outlined, including wearing a pair of, of blue light blocking glasses, whether they're Swannies or whether they're from another company, just wear them because like yeah. it's a game changer. Nice. Um, okay. Last, last question for you, um, which is just like an open-ended, it's an opportunity for you. You know, is there anything you want to share, anything we haven't touched on that you want to say, share that you think people need to know about this or anything else? Um, you've been so generous with so much information. Um, anything you want to leave us with? Well, yeah, I think people think they've got a sleep problem, but really you just got a habit problem, right? It's not like you, you naturally have problems with sleep. It's that you're having a drink or two each night or you're not exposing yourself to sunlight in the morning or you're eating crap food or you're not exercising enough or you're having a coffee, you know, in the eight hours or you're eating too close to bedtime. You know what I mean? Like a lot of these people say, Oh, I've got sleep apnea. It's almost like it's like this, badge that they wear isn't oh isn't that awful that you you're afflicted with this with this issue you don't have sleep apnea like well, in terms of what they're, they're describing as if it's some natural condition you just have a habit issue your habits are causing your sleep to be to be compromised so i i just i guess what i want to say is this is like big pharma like 
prescription drugs, you don't need prescription drugs to sleep better. You don't need Xanax or Ambien, in my opinion. But again, I'm not a doctor. The way I look at it is that I want natural solutions to everything. And I want preventative measures. Um, and so I would just say, like, just take a, maybe do a, like a week, uh, like a week where you keep a journal and you write down all the things you do and when, like what time you wake up, what time you have a glass of water, when you use the bathroom, when you eat, when you have a cup of coffee, when you started looking at your screens, when you brushed your teeth, like what time you rolled over and went to sleep, what time did you actually switch off your phone? Like, like just do a stock take on that for a week. And then if you look back, if you, if you look at it over a week, you start to see a pattern, right? And you go, oh, man, look at that. I had two drinks that night and I woke up feeling crappy. Oh, that's interesting. Let's experiment with not having any drinks. Oh, look, I slept really well. Wow, what, that's a sh shocker. Oh, my God. As opposed to, oh, I've got to go to the doctor. My sleep just hasn't been great. Stop drinking attractively packaged poison. Stop eating the Doritos. Stop <laughs> doing all those things. And then you can stop going to the doctor and saying, oh, I've got a sleep problem. It's like, you don't have a sleep problem. You just got a habit problem. And, you, you know, so that's probably what I would, I, I would say. That's awesome. Um, James, thanks so much, man. Um, thanks for making this happen. You're coming to us from Australia. Thanks for making the best of uh, 2020 setting an example. Um, thanks for you for all this gold. Like you just gave us so many. You actually said, I'm going to give you the gold standard. And then you actually did. So thanks for coming through. Um, people, go get some Swannies. I love that you called them Swannies. I love when people call sunglasses Sunnies. And now you got Sunnies and Swannies. Um, uh, and people can track you down. I said your, your Instagram before, which is your name, James, and then I'm going to spell your last name, S-W-A-N-W-I-C-K. Um, where else, what's your website? How do people like find out more about light bulbs? How do they find out about classes? If they want to just learn more about you, where do they go? Yeah, thanks. If you go to jameswanick.com, uh, if you're interested in quitting alcohol, if, um, possibly going 90 consecutive days alcohol-free with a bunch of other entrepreneurs and top professionals. Just go to jameswanick.com and there's a link there about Project 90, which is the name of that program. Uh, feel free to send me an Instagram direct message uh, on my Instagram, which is at jameswanick. And then if you're interested in the Swannies glasses, you can just go on Amazon and type in Swannies or you can go to swannicksleep.com and you can find the light bulbs and the, and the glasses there. Nice. I feel like I have to have a drink because I have so many things I need to do now to, to live my <laughs> life better. <laughs> Kidding. Um, but hey, seriously though, thank you. This is awesome. I, I like know for me, like there's some of these things I could start practicing like right tonight. And I know, I mean, I, like I said, I haven't had some good night's sleeps, but I've been like, I cherish a good night's sleep and it does, it makes the difference. Like you sleep good and it makes the difference in the next day. And it's, uh, we could say like, if an athlete isn't prepared for the game, they're not going to play well. And if you're not prepared for the day, you're not going to perform well. And your day actually starts the night before it doesn't start in the morning. It starts the night before James. Thanks for being here, man. Um, appreciate you a lot. Thanks for everything you brought and everything you shared. Uh, I'm gonna have to go find some old footage of you on ESPN. Cause now I want to check it out. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me, Alex. Thanks for listening. Honestly, I'm just a rebel who found a cause and has a dream, and I'm super grateful for your support. If you got anything from this, please help me out and share this podcast with one person today. You can find me at thedreammason.com or at inspirationalalex on Instagram. 
You are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves.